You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 237. Hello, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor, your host. I'm a speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I have been launching the C-Method Academy, my members-only monthly training and accountability program, and doors closed last Friday. And I'm so excited because we have an amazing group of people who are now in the academy and developing their confidence, their communication skills, and their leadership um, together. So I'm really excited to be working with them. Now, if you missed out, or if this is, you know, if this is the first time you're hearing about this, and you're keen to join or learn more about it, go to thecmethod.com/waitlist, and I will send you. Well, you'll be first to be notified when the registrations reopen in 2020. Um, I'll also send you the replay of my webinar, The Keys to Assertive Communication, if you join the waitlist as well. Now, this week on the podcast, I'm really excited to introduce you to my very special guest, Peter Cook. Now, Peter is the CEO of Thought Leaders and runs the Thought Leaders Business School with Matt Church. And you may, you know, you may have heard about it, maybe not, um, but Pete has a wealth of experience when it comes to leveraging your expertise for maximum impact. So they help they help thought leaders to build highly profitable and meaningful businesses for themselves. He's a speaker, he's a mentor, and he's a best-selling author. He's written six books. And get this, he I also found this out in our chat. He is um, a, a monk, an Ishaya monk. I hope I said that right. And he's in training to be a meditation teacher as well. And when we spoke, he was just about to head off to Argentina to live for a year with his family to learn Spanish. So something that I noticed about Pete was that he has had an, he's created a number of accomplishments in his life. And he has a ridiculous amount of discipline and ability to, you know, create, produce, and achieve awesome things. And one reason I wanted to get him onto the onto the show was to talk about this. And so so we had a chat and we talked about habits and discipline, how to achieve a level of mastery, and we talk a lot about the mental blocks you need to overcome as well. Like this feelings of perfectionism, of not being good enough and so on. And we also touched on the challenges faced by people who are striving to become thought leaders in their industry. So if you want to master a skill, whether it's writing, public speaking, you know, running or whatever, or you want to take on a large challenge like a marathon or writing a book, or you're looking to build your brand as a thought leader, then this episode is for you. And even if you're none of those things, I recommend that you listen anyway, because Pete is really inspiring and he's got like nuggets of wisdom that just dropping, like, you know, they're just constantly dropping. And I was like, and as I re-listened back, I was taking so many notes. Um, and he's definitely inspired me to get back onto writing my book and um, taking those steps every day to achieving um, what I want. Show notes for this episode are at thecmethod.com slash 237. 
All right, let's get into this interview with Peter Cook. My One of my favourite sayings from Maharishi, who's my, my meditation teacher, is 99% committed's hard, 100% committed's easy. And when you said you must, that must take a lot of dedication, my thought was, uh, no, actually, it takes no dedication. Like, it took a decision and it took a 100% decision. But once I'd made the decision, it's it's actually really easy. It's like, is it hard to stay married? No, it's not. It's not hard. Like I don't I don't have to be dedicated to stay married. It's I've made um because I'm a hundred percent in my marriage and a hundred percent in my practice. It actually isn't hard. What's hard is when we're mostly in, but still there's a little bit that's kind of checking all the time i'll give you an, an even more practical example is i used to i don't, I don't run anymore running's but i used to I used to be a little bit of a runner before kids and what and we where we live is quite hilly and what i and i used to sometimes walk up hills but always the conversation in my head was uh, am i Am I, when am I going to start walking? This is a big hill. And there was just this constant talk in my head. And then I made a rule that I'm never going to walk. That if I'm running, I'm running. And I can run slowly, I can run fast. But if I'm running, I'm running, I'm not walking. And that just shut down all that conversation that was constantly going in my head. And so I think in business, it's, uh, it's actually like it's a similar thing where you set your, your habits or your practices and make them non-negotiable. So I write a blog every week. Every Wednesday, a blog will go out. And that that doesn't, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what else is on. It's not most of the time. It's all of the time. And because it's all of the time, it's never, it's not now a conversation. My head doesn't go, oh, should, should I do a blog this week? Should I write something? Should I publish something? It's what am I going to write? Right. Um, which is a very different, yeah, different internal conversation. So it sounds to me, Pete, that it's like reducing that internal chatter that yeah. goes on as well. Yeah, ah, absolutely. And that's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny you talk about how do you build unshakable confidence and I think that's a, a big part of it for me, uh, my practice and I think any meditation practice is to create a bit of distance between you and that talk, that kind of that self-talk. Um, I heard this was in a cafe last week and I, there's this old guy talking to this younger guy um, and it was kind of like it looked like it was this kind of mentoring conversation and I, I was working away and, and I just overheard one bit where the older guy said, do you think perhaps you're being a little hard on yourself? No, he said, do you think you're running the risk of being a little hard on yourself? Those are his exact words. Do you think you're running the risk of being a little hard on yourself? <laughs> and I almost leaned over and said, he's a human being. Of course he's <laughs> too hard on himself. I, go on. <laughs> yes, I think we all, we all have this self-talk that's unhelpful um, and, and we need whatever hacks we can to help, help us get past that. Before you made that decision 
say to to write a blog post every single week did you were you dealing with that self talk the negative self talk yeah that's a that's a good question so it's i think how it how that can play out or for me anyway wasn't was i would have an intent to say i want to be someone who writes a blog and then something would come up and i wouldn't and then my self talk would be i you're hopeless. What like mm. then it would kick in. It's not that the self-talk would stop me doing it. It's kind of after that I would then think I've let myself down. You're not actually serious about this, and and worse, like the way we can talk to about ourselves in our head it can be. I think we would never talk to someone else like that. And so uh, having a habit that can that is regular and that builds you up that actually makes you feel good about yourself I think is really important and is really worth fighting for if only for that reason if only for what it does for your mojo and your your confidence in yourself have you heard about Tim Ferriss's making the bed rule yeah (laughs) is he claiming that now (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh who 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 did you hear say that first so this was in Charles Duhigg's book Okay, I'm sure Tim. I'm sure Tim stole it from from him. On um, and he talks about Charles Dewey talks about cornerstone habits. Mm, that's so the he one. Says there are some habits that are yeah that kind of set the scene for everything else. Um, and he has making the bed as one of the cornerstone habits. Which ever since I read that, I'm, I make my bed every day. I was like, I was like, I was like all right, I'll, I'll buy that. Can you explain to the people listening, for those who don't know about the the bed-making habit? Sure. So a cornerstone, I think that's a metaphor from, I think it's from building bridges out of stone, like from way back when stones were built out of bridges and you would have all the stones in place, but the cornerstone is one that holds everything up. So you could take out, like obviously, you know, there's lots of stones that you can pull out and it's fine, but if you pull out the cornerstone from a bridge, the whole bridge collapses. And Charles Dewey uses this same metaphor that there are some habits that hold up everything else and that kind of set yourself up. Um, And where I think Tim Ferriss has done well on building on this, kind of his own, his thought leadership around this is going from, okay, making a bed is a part of it, but what's a morning routine that sets up your day and that can be a cornerstone habit. And it's one of the questions he asks pretty regularly I think in his his podcast and in his when he his books about them, um, is he talks to lots of people about how, what do you do to start your day, and yeah. I think having a good morning routine is a is a cornerstone habit that can then lay the foundation for all the rest of the habits, um, and that's definitely one that I've kind of adopted to beyond making the bed. What's a whole initial routine that can set up a day to be successful but to also feel good like yeah, I can if I am already feeling like I've won at seven o'clock in the morning then that sets sets the day up and sets me up well absolutely what are some of your other non-negotiables this is not a non-negotiable but my morning routine ideally is that I'm up in the fives so I like to want to be out of bed before it turns six o'clock because I've got two daughters who are generally up around 6.30, between 6.30 and 7.00, so I want to get stuff done. Um, 
nice a cup of tea, journaling, stretching, and meditating. And if I can get that done before before my daughters are up and I'm into looking after them, that's a like that's a really solid start for the day. Yeah. And a, a nice thing that I heard too in, in terms of these kind of non-negotiable habits from James Clear. So he's written oh, yes. Atomic Habits and he actually came and spoke at our last Thought Leaders Immersion and I got to interview him, which was, which was really cool. And one of the things he said that I really like is that you should compromise on the scope but not on the cadence of what you set out to do. So that means like in the journaling example is if you say I'm going to journal every day, you, if, if you run out of time, it doesn't mean you don't do it. It just means you can journal for a paragraph mm. rather than three pages. But you still, the bit that doesn't compromise is still that, yeah, that you actually do it. Um, and what it, what I think that does is that even if you only do it for, even if you only run for 100 metres, you run out of time, but you say, I'm going to run every day even if you just run to the letterbox and back, you're still, that's still a vote for your identity as a runner. Right. Um, like if you say, if you want to be a writer, so if you want to be a, an expert, you want to be a writer, um, then write every day. And that can look like Stephen King who sits down at 9am and writes till 4pm and that's like he's a professional writer and he's a machine and, but if that's not how your life is set up, if you say, I'm going to write every day and that means a sentence, but every day I open up the document and one more sentence at least gets written each time that's another vote in our mm. subconscious or our unconscious or where that's another vote for my identity as a writer and it's building that identity which is more important than word count for a particular day. I love that. And, I'm, and that would help to build your confidence as well, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because then your identity is matching your aspiration. Yeah, it's, a, it's this interesting, I think there's always a, a gap between what we, like our highest aspiration for ourselves and where we are. Um, and that can be something that either draws us towards it, but it, that gap can also when it becomes an unfulfilled expectation can also harm our confidence. Mm. Um, and so I think that, yeah, that those kind of little drops help us feel like we're moving. Even if we're not there, we're moving in the right direction. So what I'm hearing is that taking, no matter how small the step is, but just taking that one piece of action that helps to strengthen that identity or take us closer to what we aspire to do is, is going to help us, even though it doesn't seem significant at the time. Yeah. It's just to do it. Yeah, that in the end your, yeah, your identity is more important. Like if we're looking at what happens over 10 years, that your vote for your identity and your future self is more important than what's the actual outcome today. I think that you want to get stronger. It's not, and you start going to the gym, what matters is not the quality of any individual workout. 
but it's that you go to the gym. So yeah. say, all right, I need to go to the gym three times a week. What matters is that happens for five years, not that yes. on this particular day, I gave it everything. I left nothing on the floor. I absolutely put everything into every lift. Um, if you're tired and grumpy and stuff's going on, but you still show up, like I think that's the important bit. That's what I remind myself with this podcast because yep. I've, I've done this podcast every week since March 2015. And Congratulations. Thank awesome. you. And there have been, there've been weeks where, for example, I was travelling and I remember uh, two years, no, last year I was in Beijing on a stopover and I'd planned yep. to do a podcast and I was so tired. I was jet lagged. <laughs> yep. I was like, I just can't think of anything good to share. But I thought, but, I, but I to- I've told my listeners I'm here every week. So I just did a three-minute podcast yep. to say, hey, guys, I'm in Beijing. I'm really tired. Yeah. I can't show up for you today. I'm sorry, but I'm just here to tell you that. So yeah. I'll see you next week. <laughs> and I did it anyway. <laughs> and how did that how did that feel? It it felt fine. It felt I, I still felt accomplished. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I, I need to remind myself like every time I email my subscribers or yep. you know, put out a, a post on LinkedIn, it doesn't have to be a, a beautiful, you know, thousand plus word, you yeah. know you know, beautifully constructed essay. It can be just a simple story that, that of a conversation that happened yesterday. Yeah, and that, I think that, even that lesson of here's me still showing up, like you don't know the impact that that has. There are people who hear that and will, that can be actually just the thing they needed much more than eloquent wisdom from on high. Um, an example of like somebody who they respect who's who is going through life who is jet lagged who is tired who doesn't have anything left but is still willing to show up and kind of be vulnerable and courageous that i reckon that was probably more valuable than you give it credit for for your audience and i think definitely for you because it was like you say you still felt accomplished and it's like you actually haven't broken the chain and um and but but beforehand, like leading up to it, you know, we talk about the the little voice, that inner yeah. critic, yeah. like the little voice is going, "You haven't prepared. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be good." Yeah. And I and I got to say, Pete, the the longer you leave it, what I've found, the yeah. longer you leave something, the more pressure you put on yourself to make it even better, which yeah. then makes you not want to do it even more. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, I've. It's one of my um, frustrations sometimes with some um, some of my team who uh, I think have that kind of perfectionism happening. And I talked to my team and said the lifespan of anything that we put out, imagine it's two years. So we create a new website. In two years, we're going to create another one. We put out a uh, an article. We write a book. Probably the life cycle of that book is two years. Maybe it'll be longer, but chances are it'll either be edited or it'll kind of die away after two years. And the time that it's most relevant is right now. So if we've finished it, now's when it's the most up-to-date, it's the most relevant, it's the most current. And if it takes us three months between that design and actually getting it up, we've lost an eighth of its lifestyle, of its life cycle. 
Ah, okay. And it's I haven't thought this, of it put that way before. Yeah, it's this little hack to go, actually, it's more important that it's out when it's good enough um, than in another six months when we're, when everyone thinks it's perfect. So on the, on the topic of, of, of publishing, um, I know like the people that you work with in thought leaders, business school, I know a a big part of building up your expertise as a thought leader is to publish and Mm. I know you blog every week and, and you've written, you know, many books. What have you found the experience of the people going through thought leaders, business school to be when it comes to publishing? Do they go through these same challenges? Yeah. And probably the biggest one is around the book. So one of the deliverables of the program is a book. Mm -hmm. First 12 months of the program, you have to write a book and publish a book. And that can be this really big, for a lot of people, that's a big block. And there are people who are like, oh, but I'm not a writer. I was never good at English. You know, other people. The identity thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But there's this amazing thing that happens in a community of people where everybody's writing a book is that it becomes normal. Okay. And we are driven much more than we realise by by societal norms and by the norms of our peer groups. Um, I think Michelle Locke, who's one of the black belts in the thought leaders community, so she's running a a million-dollar practice in our community and an expert in neuroscience, and she told me something really interesting about the latest thinking in neuroscience around Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we've always thought that the most basic need was food and water and then shelter and then connection. So the kind of the third rung up is social connection. Yep. And they're saying that the latest science and studies of the brain show us that that's actually our most primal need. Okay. We put, uh, we put, uh, being accepted by our community, connecting with our community as more important for our survival than food and water, Um, which I think comes from evolving in tribes for 200,000 years where if you didn't fit into the tribe, you actually didn't survive. Yes, because then they wouldn't be able to provide you with food and (laughs) water if you weren't part of the tribe. What everything else was from your tribe and you could not survive outside it. And so if you're in, so one of the things interesting that happens in the thought leaders tribe is everybody, every 90 days, we all get together and then there's another 15 people or 20 people who have written a book. And we have this ceremony where they come up and put the book on the bookshelf and it's, it's right, it's quite moving. But all the people around us, like suddenly everybody you're sitting next to and everybody around you is writing a book. And instead of it being this amazing thing that only, quote, authors do, it's like everybody in our community does it and that suddenly makes it have a different quality. Um, and then so the people who, yes, yeah, so there's lots of people who come in who admit that they're thinking, well, I know I signed up saying the deliverables write a book, but really I was never going to write a book. <laughs> but nine months later I was like, stuff this. And it happens and it's, yeah, extraordinary. Absolutely, Yeah. What else is challenging for people? Because, uh, you know, we haven't we haven't talked a lot about, you know, thought leadership on this podcast and, and I'm cool with that because I wanted to <laughs> hear about your other thoughts and other things. Um, 
But what are some other challenges with, with people who want to become um, to establish themselves as thought leaders, whether they are entrepreneurs or they're um, or they're you know employed and but want to build up their internal thought leadership? What are what do you see as being some of the biggest challenges in order to you know get get to where they want to go? Yeah, I think there's three fundamental challenges or things that people have to overcome to build a successful thought leaders practice. First is a voice that we all have in our head that says, I'm not good enough. We talked a little bit Mm. earlier. And I think to a greater or lesser extent, everybody deals with that. And when we say write a book, this voice says, what have you got to say? Who would want to read your book? What have you, and you want to write a book about leadership and then you type leadership into Amazon and there's 10,000 books on leadership and you go, oh, (laughs) <laughs> um, but um, then there's another voice that says, I don't deserve it, which I think is a slightly different flavor. And I think we all have that as well. So when we say a successful practice is one where you make good money, you earn half a million to one and a half million dollars, and you have a good life doing work you love with people you like the way you want, and you make the difference you were born to make, it's like our vision for success is this kind of complete picture of a life exactly how you want it to be. Um, that brings up for people, I, I don't deserve that. Mm. And interestingly, to go for that, you have to commit 100%. Like part of the design of saying that it's it's your life as big as you want it to be is that you can't authentically go for that but just be half in or just dipping your toe in the water. It actually does take a hundred percent commitment, which paradoxically then makes it easier. And the final one is we're all dysfunctional around money. So everyone, again, to a greater or less extent, but everyone is a little bit nuts around money. What do you mean by that? So our society is crazy around money. So at a dinner party, the worst thing you could say to somebody, worse than saying, so tell me, do you believe in God? Or tell me, who did you vote for at the last election? Mm. Or tell me, how's your sex life? Like all of these are faux pas. Totally. But much worse would be to say, how much, what's your salary? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> how much are you worth? What's your, what's your net worth? Like it's this whole thing that we don't, like a society, we, uh, we just do not talk about it. And we're weird about it. And then we all have our own upbringing. So there's all this weirdness that's individual to us. And then in this game around, I'm saying to you, all right, now I want you to sell yourself and say, I'm the product. And we will then collapse. Uh, And we kind of anyway risk, run the risk of collapsing our self-worth with money. So we we make how much money we earn and how much money we have collapses in with what we, our self-worth. But that's amplified when we're saying run a practice on your own as an expert. And people will then take a rejection of a program as a rejection of me. So I'll say, would you like to come and do this program I'm running? And you say, no. What I hear isn't you don't want to run this, do this program I'm running, you're rejecting me. And that then means we get all weird in sales and we don't mm-hmm. actually ask you to do the program because I'm scared 
that you'll say no and it'll be about and I'll make it mean. So that's kind of where the some of how the dysfunction around money can play out. Oh, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> well, you're a human being, yes. Totally, yes. I am human. I work for myself. And yes, I can, I will say it brings up all of those issues, yeah. all of those little voices in your head, mm. for sure. But it's a, but it's a brilliant journey and you learn so much about yourself. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, everyone who's gone through Thought Leaders has absolutely relished the opportunity to work with you and Matt and to help to, uncover those demons but also work through them and and do that in a supportive place as well so yeah, i think it's a, i think it's great what you're doing pete and um you, you know I, and i really appreciate you joining me on the show today oh, my absolute pleasure i really appreciate the invitation and loved having this chat and you're right there were lots and lots of other things we could have talked about maybe another time <laughs> I would love to. so if people want to connect with you pete and uh, you know read your blog or see some of your work where can they go they can go to petercook.com to read my blog and thoughtleaders.com.au to find out about all things Thought Leaders. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pete, and all the best in Argentina. Yeah, thank you. So great. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. A huge thanks to Peter Cook for joining me on the podcast this week. There are so many nuggets of goodness in there. Um, I want to remind you of a couple that really stood out for me. Um, one of them is where he says, you know, 100% committed is easy. You know, 99% committed is hard, 100% committed is easy. And how he went on to say that when he's he's 100% committed to writing a blog post every week and for him it's never a conversation of oh should i publish something it's what do i publish right which completely shifts it so for you i want you to have a think about what is something you can 100% commit to yeah what's going to help you get close to your goal another thing i loved what he said was around um he said when you, he said, um, so this is from James Clear, who said compromise on the scope, but not on the cadence. So you do something like do a habit every single day, even if it's just a tiny bit. And what Pete said, he says, it's still a vote for your identity as a blank, whatever it is. So for example, if you want to write a book, if you write every single day, even if it's a tiny little bit, it's still a vote for your identity as a writer. If you run just a little bit every day, it's still a vote for your identity as a runner. So for you, perhaps you want to be more assertive in the workplace, for example, maybe speaking up just a little bit every day. It's still a vote for your identity as someone who speaks up. Whereas if you don't do it, then you start to doubt yourself and then you start to be, um, you know, your self-talk is like, oh, you're hopeless. I told you you can't do it. I told you you never do that. So I want you to think about, you know, what is one small habit that you, or one small thing you can do every day that's going to help strengthen your confidence and your identity as that thing that you want to be. Um, and I love that he mentioned the identity thing, because that's something that I work with, with all of my clients in my group program and in the academy as well. We're currently working through that initial masterclass around what is your identity? You know, how do you see yourself and how might it be holding you back and how can you use it to move forward and achieve that thing that you want? So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Pete. If you did, 
Go onto Instagram and tag me. I'm at CJ Canters. Take a screenshot of the podcast or take a selfie of yourself listening. Tell us where you're listening and tag me and let us know, you know, what you've got from the episode or simply just say that you, you've enjoyed it. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Canters and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.